The word of our Lord from the Gospel of Luke. And Jesus said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Now the word of our Lord from the epistle to the Hebrews. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet remained without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would bless the reading of your word. We pray that you would bless its hearing. Open our ears and open our hearts to what you have for us. Just as your son ascended to your right hand and lives forever to make intercession for us, we pray that you would help us to look to him as our great high priest, to find in him one who was made like us so that we might be redeemed. We pray all this in His name. Amen. This coming Thursday, May 25th, is Ascension Day. 40 days after Easter. It's a day that the church recalls that Christ who died is risen. And before He comes again, that He has ascended back to the Father's right hand. There's a, a TV show that the kids used to watch. I think they still like it. They just don't watch it all the time. It's called What Went Down. And it's a, um, a TV show about real-life disasters, minor disasters. Not, nothing, well, I guess for the folks involved in them. They're bike wrecks and you know, falling down stairs and you know, folks who are trying to do really neat tricks who have problems with them. And so the, the show's called What Went Down. And it's about you know, what happened with, uh, with this wreck. A variety of different wrecks, of, of often of sporting related, where folks think that they're really good at something and they end up hurting themselves in the process of it. 
But by asking that question, what went down, we're really asking the question, well, what happened? And kind of oxymoronically, I want to use that idea of what went down to speak of what happened when Jesus, in fact, went up. When he went up, he was fixing a wreck, so to speak. We don't know entirely what happened, but we do know partially. We proclaim it in the Apostles' Creed when we get to that line where we say, He ascended and into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. Jesus went back to heaven. Back to the, the realm of God. Back to where God lives. He went back to heaven as, as though he went back behind a curtain. For he's still right there. And what happened was that he took redeemed and glorified human flesh back to his father. He became a human once and for all. Even now, he still wears our flesh. And so redeemed humanity sits at the Father's right hand. The place of power, the place of authority, the place of honor is filled by one who was made like us. As the church father said, so that we might be made like him. So that we might be made holy. So that we might be restored and recreated, redeemed fully. The scriptures tell us that he's sympathetic to us. He knows our plight. He knows our weakness. He knows even the pull of temptation. He was tempted in all ways like we are and yet remained without sin. You see, temptation itself is not sin. And he felt the pull of our temptation. He knows what it is to be under assault by the evil one. He knows that quiet and paralyzing nudge. He knows the fear and pain of rejection. He knows what it's like to be abandoned. He knows what it's like to feel alone. He knows what it's like to be ignored. He's sympathetic. He knows. And sometimes that's all we need. That calm and quiet assurance that someone knows. Because he knows, he cares. And so he's interceding. He is interceding in our behalf, praying to the Father for us. 
Prayer, you see, is not so much you asking God to listen to your ideas and wants. It's not so much that as it is you entering, entering into a conversation that is already happening in the heart of eternity. When we pray, we're not just throwing up words to God, hoping He'll hear them. When God invites us to pray, He invites us into a conversation. We often mention that prayer is, is, is a two-way street, that you know we are doing more than just giving a list to God. We ought to be listening. But to what are we listening? We're listening in on, in prayer, an eternal conversation. And the Scriptures assure us that Jesus is at the Father's right hand, living forever to make intercession for us. The Apostle Paul even said that when we pray, and we don't even know how to pray, we don't know what words to use, we don't know what to say, we're broken, we're scared, that it's okay. Because we have a great intercessor, and not only that, His Spirit searches our hearts And He knows what's deep within our hearts. And He also knows the mind of the Father. And He's able to bring those two realities into concert together, into sync. Jesus is interceding. He is praying for you. I'm reminded of the passage in the Gospels where Jesus tells Peter that Satan essentially wants to chew him alive. But Jesus assures Peter, I have prayed for you. You might remember from the book of Acts, those early chapters, the curious case of Stephen. Stephen proclaiming the good news And folks don't like to hear about it. And so they're angered. And they plug their ears. They put their hands over their ears. And they're screaming at Stephen. And then they take up rocks. And they begin to stone him. The one who is sharing with him the good news of redemption. Is rejected. And abandoned. And you remember that Stephen. Prayed to the father. Much like Jesus prayed to the father on the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. But the passage tells us that Stephen looks up and he says, Behold, I see the Son of Man standing. Standing at the Father's right hand. Because Jesus, as He intercedes for us, as He's praying for us, He is standing up for us. He is defending us us he is aware he is sympathetic he is interceding and he's here he is yet with us he is the one who said I am with you always even to the very end of the ages he hasn't left us alone On the night that he was betrayed, knowing that his disciples would abandon him, that one 
had betrayed him, that one would deny him three times before the, the sun came up. And knowing that all of them essentially would run and hide. He said, I will not leave you alone as orphans. I will come to you. I'm not abandoning you. I'm just stepping behind the curtain. I'll be right there. You know, Pentecost is just around the corner. Not this coming Sunday, but the following Sunday. Ten days after the ascension. Pentecost. The 50. Or the 50th. The 50th day after Easter. And at Pentecost we declare the good news that the Holy Spirit has descended. He has come. And He indwells the heart of the believer and He enlivens the life and ministry of the church. And when Jesus told His disciples, I'm not leaving you alone. I'm not leaving you as orphans. I will come to you. He goes on and explains what He means by I will come to you. He says, I'm going to pray to the Father and He's going to fulfill His promises to you. And we will send the Holy Spirit And we will come to you. He's here. Church is not some offering we make to God. Some activity that we do in hopes that maybe we'll please God. You see, church, the worship, the life and ministry of the church is about participation with God. As we interact with one another, we interact with Him spiritually. As we sing songs and harmonize our voices, we enter into worship around the throne of God. Because He is not far off. He is right there. Just behind the curtain. He knows. He cares. And He waits. He longs for us, broken as we are, to simply look to Him and to mutter the simple word, Lord, please. It's not that God is kind of dangling a carrot from a stick and a string in front of us. Oh, if we would just ask. It's a matter of He is wanting to see in us the desire for Him. And so He stays right there knowing us, praying for us. He's right there. We are broken. We each have the stories of our own disasters, our own wrecks, our own things that went down, our own things that went wrong. We are a wreck, all of us. 
but he specializes in making miracles out of wrecks. This coming Wednesday, the day before Ascension Day, May 24th, in the life of the Methodist Church is Aldersgate Day. The day that John Wesley was sitting at a society meeting, reluctantly, he didn't want to be there, sitting and listening in while the leader was reading from Luther's preface to the book of Romans. I don't, I don't imagine how exciting it must have been. And he went home from that society meeting and he wrote in his journal that he was there. He was reluctantly there. And he heard the reading and he felt his heart strangely warmed. Now if you know much about the life of Wesley, you know that up to that point, he was pretty much a wreck. He was a disaster with his relationships. He was a very hard man. A very disciplined man. But he was the type of man who was trying to serve God with all that he had within him without knowing God. And that creates a wreck. But God had made an appointment for Wesley. God was waiting. God was right there. The ascended son was interceding for Wesley and was sympathetic to his need. Jesus knows who we are. He knows our need. He knows our situation. He knows those things that concern us. He knows those things about which we worry. He knows those things that we desire and long for. He knows those things that frustrate us, that, that plague us. And He's praying for us. And His desire is that we would simply turn to Him that we would recognize that He is right there. That we would fix our attention on Him. And that we would simply say, please, Lord. He is our victorious King. He is the one who died and rose again. And He is the one who sits at the Father's right hand, having ascended back to heaven. He sits at the Father's right hand making intercession for you and for me. And we have a great high priest. One who says, I will not leave you. But just wait. Just tarry. I'll be right there. Let's pray.